0: Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss our hardware antics for the week, and we'll be discussing the new Ryzen processors that just dropped again. We're also going to see if I'm gonna take one of these Ryzen processors to completely destroy Wendy's kitchen setup which is my life mission. Maybe this is the processor here that will put Wendy's kitchen out of its misery. Then we're gonna head over to the popular camera corner with Wendy. We're gonna discuss lens filters and their functionality. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addicts starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe. And with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware Padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, have you finally done something hardware-y?
1: Yes. This one is legit hardware because I bought uh, a microphone to replace my existing microphone. Your rock and not band say, mic
0: is going out the window.
1: How dare you? That is that is an that is an, in my collection forever. I have it. It's actually I'm not using it right now. I have it on display behind me because it is that important. It's in its own crystallized box. I mean, that's not true. We either, all
0: miss but, those days. That's when you would speak into the mic and we couldn't understand you because you're using a three dollar rock band microphone.
1: No. So what did you it's get? Not, it you was thirty dollars. Thank you. <laughs> I, I got a Rode PodMic because oh, it, it's nice. all of the reviews are saying that it's a very solid microphone for its price, and the price is only a hundred dollars. So oh, I, bad. yeah, I am super excited to play with it. I, I, it actually, I've only just recently purchased it yesterday. So you know, I don't know when. What it's did gonna you show get your interface? Let's talk about that. I don't know yet. Well,
0: there, so there are we only go. two good options for you: the PreSonos or the sure. Scarlett Two I Two. Unless you're well, going to try to get one of those mixer devices but those you know on Linuxy uh, hardware can be finicky
1: that's what i'm that's why i'm hesitant about which one i want to get because i do want to get those combo mixer interface things I'm i already sure. have like a minimal mixer like it's not a super great mixer but it's like a beginner mixer sort of and then if i just got the pre or the scarlet which I'd pr- i'm leaning towards the pre anyway if i was going to get the pre i think i could just use that mixer and kind of do it all together i don't know yet that's what I'm sort of still worried about. Like, what I'm gonna do, I'm not worried about it, I just haven't decided. But the pod mic, I have decided, and it looks pretty cool. It's also a pretty decent price. And if uh, you want to check it out, it's actually not on Amazon, which is weird because and it's it was also out of stock for months uh, and it just came back into stock like a couple days ago. So I had like a notification thing. So I don't know if it's in stock everywhere, but it's in stock where I got it. And I'll have a link for that if you want in the show notes.
2: Very nice. Awesome.
0: So Wendy, what have you been up to?
2: Well, I've spent a lot of time in the mountains the last little bit. And I took that opportunity to play with some of the filters I have. And it's it's one of those pieces of hardware that I've, I have for a while. It's usually in my camera bag, but not something I always break out. And gosh dang it, I should be breaking it out more often. So I shared a picture on the discourse form in the fun with dark table thread. So you can check out the picture, one of the pictures there that I used filters on. And we will be deep diving more into exactly what This I picture used is and so why. beautiful.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: My favorite part about this photo is that after she posted it and after everybody's saying, that's great. She's like, well, it could be better. It's like, what? <laughs> I
2: just, it looks just like a be, painting like, the creator in you. Cause
1: yeah, it doesn't, it looks like a painting. It's, it's actually quite solid because I love the fact that the the river is blurred. It, it, cause it, it, does this like cool effect that just seems yeah, the water's
2: and it, it, nice and soft.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting effect. And we're going to have a link in the show notes for that as well, for people who are interested. And if you're watching the, if you're watching the video, I'll put that up in there too. But this is a cool, this is a cool photo, but I love the fact that when she posted it, she was also like, it's, it's, it's okay. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? It's great.
2: (laughs) You know, I would love to do landscape photography for a living of, of the other types of photography that I get a chance to do. I absolutely love doing landscape. And for me, it's just so amazingly peaceful. What I didn't like about it is the, the front log is a little soft. And then that front center rock is a little soft. And so I wish that that wasn't that way. Cause to me, it's distracting in the overall image. I I want those to be a little bit sharper. So I can me, tell you in it's,
1: my perspective is not remotely distracting. I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's distracting. It throws it off. I don't like it, but that's just the the person in me that knows that I could have done better
1: that's called perfectionism
0: well i think I'll it looks it. amazing great job yes me and too. i can't wait to learn more about that is that some of the stuff you're going to talk about some of the techniques you used in the uh, camera corner
2: today absolutely nice. yes nice we, we gotta know what have you been playing with
0: so this week i've been playing with the power of a razor core x now is that a mac no this is not a oh. Mac. This is a oh. enclosure for. But I
1: thought that's. I thought this is all you do now is Mac. Uh, that's, you that's, know what? That's what we talked about. A lot previous- of commenters
0: right out there that <laughs> actually. Um, that, no, it's not true. But uh, all right, I was
1: channeling it. my YouTube comment. So there we go. <laughs> Got it. Get,
0: wipe the Cheeto, uh, Cheetos off of your fingers and.
1: Oh, uh, let me continue. I here. wish uh, I was. I just want to get some more Cheetos now.
0: <laughs> so the Razor Core X is an eGPU enclosure that. Is made by Razer. It's amazing. The engineering on it is absolutely first class. When I talk about hardware, and even when we talk about Apple specifically, and getting inside them and having to change components out, even if you can in certain machines, is a major ordeal. When you look at the Razer Core X, obviously it was meant to be opened up, switch out GPUs, put new ones inside, with as few screws and as easy as humanly possible, and they accomplished it perfectly. The case has a little handle on the back that you pull out. You just give it a slight tug. The rest of the enclosure comes out with it. You've got your PCIe slot right there. You drop your card in. You just put one screw down. Boom, you're ready to go. The rest of it connects through a Thunderbolt 3 connection, and you have your eGPU ready to go in theory. Now, this works perfect in macOS, and as I understand it, it's made for Mac or Windows. In the Linux world, I've had a lot of trouble with it, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a Radeon 7 GPU that I'm using. And that Radeon 7 GPU, AMD GPUs, for whatever reason, a lot of the laptops that were made that Linux has gone out there to support is all about Optimus and Bumblebee and all of these different tools to kind of help get NVIDIA to work on Linux. And while AMD is open source their drivers, they don't have a lot of tools for switching to different GPUs. And it's caused a lot of problems. So I say all this to say that um, I think I'm going to order an NVIDIA GPU to test it out and see how well it works. <clears throat> so I'll have... Um, I know... I know. I'll have an NVIDIA <laughs> GPU as well as I think I'm going to go with the 2070 to have a nice
1: baseline. NVIDIA. Yeah. GPU. Are you are you okay? What's I know. are you okay? Do we need to have <laughs> talk about this? But I
2: Backing have to be able to try it effectively. Buying an NVIDIA, I'm starting to really worry about you.
1: Think, I know. It's, it's I like, mean, fair <laughs> enough. It, it, it is. It does matter to have the try. You know, to try things to really know your to get your opinion on it, so you actually have the experience and and you are in a hardware podcast so it does make sense that you would be trying these things and not just pigeonholing yourself into a particular one type of thing but at the same time really
0: yeah i know Uh, you guys would probably be (laughs) smacking me right now if we were in person like wake up ryan get back to your team red love but uh, yeah i'm gonna try it out and see if that indeed is kind of the issue and then you know i think there's obviously the opportunity as more and more laptops and computers come with amd based GPUs and things that people will write utilities out there to make switching easier. And it's not like it can't be done. You you can get certain things to work, especially in distros like Manjaro. It's just not seamless and it's hard to get applications to launch off of it. And there's just a lot of problems there. So in any case, props to Razer Core X. It's an amazing engineering feat. It looks beautiful. It keeps the card cool. It runs a Radeon seven, which is a very power hungry GPU by itself, so I mean it's just a it, it's amazing little device. If you've ever wanted to get a eGPU enclosure, that is the one I would definitely recommend.
2: This episode of Hardware Addicts and the entire Destination Linux Network is now sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Or you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. As Ryan would say, that's darn near free. DigitalOcean also has over 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks, get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co DLN. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co DLN. And we thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode.
0: All right, so let's get into our core story this week. Ryzen releases, AMD releases, some new Ryzen CPUs. And did anybody take note of the special date that they did so? What happened on I July did. 7th, 2019, Michael?
1: I did actually release uh, t- take note because that was when the 7 nanometer announcement happened. Well, it's when the Ryzen
0: third gen happened release. Oh, but but yeah, I just, I
1: just, I I just read an article about it that said something about that. So I'm, I'm I'm taking it as a win.
0: Well, when the third gen dropped, it put Intel into an early retirement as king of CPU mountain. So July seventh was a very important date for AMD, and they decided on July seventh, twenty twenty, that they needed to do something special to celebrate that. And what better than for Lisa Sue to take stage and drop some new processors on us? As if we didn't have enough, AMD's now got to the point where they're just competing against themselves and releasing processors, which kind of starts to, you know, lose its excitement a little bit.
2: It has negative returns.
0: It's starting to, and especially when you look at what they've released. So AMD announced uh, basically what, Results in a new a new yield.
1: Wait a second, are you saying that you're switching to Nvidia and you're giving some headaches to AMD? Is that what you're saying?
0: I know this isn't Ryan, is it? This Uh, is somebody else. On how do you know it's really me now at this point?
1: Yeah, I I, I'm confused.
2: Snatchers has happened. We are we are in full force alien.
1: (laughs) Come on. That has been confirmed. So they they
0: basically announce what is just a new yield. On their processors, because as you know, as the processing, manufacturing processing gets better, the yields get better. And that's what we're getting is just kind of a better yield of the silicon here. And the Ryzen XT line is going to give you a, a whole 4% improvement to the boost clock over the prior iteration lineup. Yes. 4%. 4%.
1: Yes that seems very small
0: yes exactly so (laughs) i would definitely recommend if you are sitting there with your third gen ryzen non-xt to
1: just to keep it (laughs) you're
2: saying i don't need to talk my husband into an upgrade we're good
0: especially not because i'm going to be putting this in my kitchen which is going to destroy that little intel you have in your kitchen so yeah Mm. don't upgrade
1: so you actually are so based on the the intro, you were saying that you were going to do this, like this is going to into your kitchen.
0: no, I just wanted to mess with,
1: oh, yeah, okay, I just so to throw
0: windy off her game,
1: okay, I understand, so now that now that we're saying, okay, so you're saying it's not going to be an ingredient in your recipe to battle Wendy in the kitchen computers, so in a way, it's an impasta.
0: Ah. oh oh my gosh, the yeah,
1: my <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, All right. and continue,
0: so let's get into this lineup. So the Ryzen 9 3900XT is a 12-core, 24-thread beast at $499 with only a 100 megahertz or 4% improvement to the boost clock. Again, just a yield improvement on their current lineup basically.
1: But but it's a megahertz of a 100 improvement.
0: You know, back in the 90s that would be pretty impressive, maybe. <laughs> but not so much today.
1: Okay. Good to know.
0: <laughs> the, the Intel's competitor to this, of course, is the i9 10,900K, 10, 10 core, 20 thread, 20 megabytes of L3 cache. So a lot less cash. And it's priced around $529. It's at 14 nanometers, 125 watt TDP. There's a lot of issues out there, apparently with keeping the i9s cool. So, you know, obviously if you're going to buy one or the other and you're in the market, you might as well get the XT unless you could just get a much better price on the non-XT variants there. The Ryzen 9 3900 XT has the 64 megabytes of cache, the 4.7 gigahertz boost, but this is the big difference here. You get that 4.0 PCIe, that fourth gen. Let's not forget. I think that's important because none of the current Intel lineup has that, although rumor is in their next gen, which is supposed to be finally the 10 nanometer they will be introducing the thing they said they didn't care about and nobody should want, which is that fourth gen PCIe.
2: Because people are actually kind of excited that it's out there. Not that there's a whole lot yet as far as to put on that 4.0 PCIe, but it's getting there.
1: So what you're saying is that the AMD, XT, the 3900 or whatever XTs are not they're not anything to be like super excited about because the 3900X and the you know the X levels and not the XT versions are so good anyway. It's not that big of an issue, but at the same time, the Intel's are not even remotely. The rumor is that some there's going to be at some point a reason to care about Intel. So that's that's the rumor. And, and I
0: believe in that rumor actually. <laughs> I believe when Intel does release their 10 nanometer, that it will stomp anything. In its way. I, I truly believe that. I, now, whether they can actually get the 10 nanometer to work anytime <laughs> relevant, that matters. I don't 2025. Don't and yep. the reason why I say that is because of what they've done with 14 nanometer. Look, uh, it's nowhere near what AMD has done. And I'm so proud of AMD. And I'm so happy we have this competition. But you, even though Intel is basically not competing at the same level any longer, what they've been able to accomplish with 14 nanometer to still stay in the game by just keeping overclocking these these things is is pretty impressive they're at 5 gigahertz you know on I their, mean on I would chips. hope
1: so they haven't I would hope that they'd be able to make 14 nanometers impressive after 15 years
0: True true yeah.
1: <laughs> so at this point they need to do something and hopefully that the rumors are true and they actually can compete at that point
0: so you also have your Ryzen 7 3800, which the 8, 8 core, 16 thread, 399. You get 200 megahertz boost clock frequency increase. So that one, if you're going to buy know. one, might be worth it, maybe. You get at least 200 megahertz boost.
1: Boom. That's a an 8% improvement. That's not true. I don't know if that's true.
0: And then you get your Ryzen 5 3600 XT, which is a 6 core 12 thread at $249. Also with the 100 megahertz boost clock over the 3600X by itself. So, you know, again, I would go for price here. This is frustrating for me because it feels like AMD is just flooding the market with stuff at this point. They're taking a lot of Intel's old games and just rehashing it. I don't feel like they should have made a whole new processor line and boxes and shipping to manufacturers, a whole new skew, if you will. For this XT line, they should have just let the better yield go out there into the market with what they currently have, because it's well, just confusing.
2: If, yeah, well, and if they, they wanted to do this as an XT line, with then I wish they would have pulled the X line. So you didn't have these two different versions that they're not even telling them to change the price point on. So companies themselves may choose hmm. to reduce the X ones. But AMD themselves are not saying, hey, we want to price the XTs a little bit higher. Nope. As far as the recommended price, it's staying the same across the board from AMD. So you have two different ones sitting on the shelf and they're both priced the same. This just really doesn't make sense to me. The only (laughs) thing I can see it doing is causing more confusion for the average consumer.
1: When you first said that it's not an issue, it's not a big deal, It's like, well, if you're still going to upgrade, then it's, you know, it's still a good idea to upgrade. If you were planning to upgrade anyway, it's still, a, if there's an improvement still. So it might be worth it unless you could get a good deal on the older gen that's, you know, fully only 4% difference. But the fact that they're still selling them brand new of the older gen or the, I guess, not really older yeah, gen, but fine, older man. version. And they're still selling those at as brand new things for the same price. That that does sound like an old Intel action.
0: In addition, they took another page out of Intel's book because there's no cooler included with the 3900 XT or 3800 XT. And their excuse for this is, well, somebody buying a processor this high end is probably not going to use the stock cooler that comes with AMD, which actually was a really good and capable cooler. And I disagree with them 100%. And they're, it's not like they're removing the cooler and then passing the savings on to the customer. They're just removing the cooler. And this is something that Intel did. And I didn't like it when Intel did it. And I don't like it when AMD's doing it. And this is the problem when companies start, this is what Intel did when they basically had the monopoly. When companies start to be really successful, they start to win, they kind of lose their way. And to me, this is just, AMD kind of losing its way a little bit. It it Nothing about this announcement was exciting to me. Nothing made me... It didn't make me a bigger AMD fan. And it just overall kind of fell flat for me as an announcement. Yeah, well, yeah, I know I've talked to
2: several people in the Telegram groups that have recently upgraded to the Ryzen 9. And they are using the cooler that came with it. It was one of those things that... Because it came with a capable cooler, they could get that better CPU and not have to buy additional cooler right now. So it's something that they may want to do later, but having it in the box allowed them to get that better CPU.
0: Absolutely. If you're doing iterative upgrades, you know, you've bought that expensive motherboard, maybe you got one of the new B550s out there, you got the X570, you got the new processor, you're trying to budget, you're like I'm going to get a you know liquid cooling and all in one, a nice Noctua fan cooling system later on down the road as I save up more money. Because right now, I'm not going to overclock it, I'm not going to push it too hard. Then it's just a nice way of saving some money until you can get some iterative upgrades into it. Because you're already spending so much money switching out from what a lot of people probably have in their systems, which is Intel. You got a new motherboard, you probably got new RAM you've got to get. You've got a new processor you're going to purchase, maybe even a new case. You know, it was one less thing and it was a nice fan that was bundled with it. It was perfectly capable. Just, it's not it's not a good look on AMD and I think they could do better.
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I don't have the latest and greatest of what I got, but the one I did purchase did come with a fan and the fact that I don't have to worry about dealing with getting a heatsink uh, was awesome, especially considering it was rated as a pretty good heatsink anyway. So it's like, I not only do it is it not like a cheap heat sink that they're just slapped on top it's like a high quality one and it looks like a high quality one like they put a lot of effort in and it was impressive so the fact that they're just taking it off be, just because just seems just seems like a disappointing move
0: yeah they could have passed it on to the customer if they really wanted to make it you know if they really believed what they were saying the the price difference and again you get no cooler on a 3900XT or 3800XT you do get a cooler on the lower end 3600 XT. So you still get a cooler there, which is nice, but they should have added it in for the other ones as well. In fact, they shouldn't have just released these processors at all. They should have just let the better yield of processors come out into the market and charge the same price anyways. Yeah.
1: This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store your passwords. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now, and I love it. It not only helps me keep track of my hundreds of passwords, it also helps it easy, makes it really, really, really easy to make new passwords because it has a random password generator. Not only does it have great features, Bitwarden is also open source and has third-party security auditing, so you know you can trust it. You can get started with for free by going to bitwarden.com slash DLN. And if you want some of their premium features, which are totally worth it because you can get one gigabyte of file storage, vault health reports, and so much more, or you can just support it if you want to because you appreciate the service they offer. And the reason why you can do that, it's super cheap because it's only $10 per year. You mean per month?
0: I wanted to correct you, per month, right? No, no, no. no, Per year?
1: No, no, no. It's definitely per year. I I looked at the notes. I, I made sure it's $10 per year. So jump on over to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started with your free account right now.
2: So now you want to know what lenses I used on that picture that is in the discourse form. Well, we'll get there. First, we're going to talk about what different filters are available and the variety that you can get them in. So once you know what these filters do, then I'll tell you which ones I used on this image. one of the first ones you'll find one of the most common ones is a uv filter and it does exactly what it says it does it helps block uv light this helps protect your lens it will help with some of the blue cast or purple cast shadows around things on your images so it's really good if you're shooting in any type of sun and the best part is it protects your lens from being scratched. It's almost like a a screen protector for your lens. It's the one that's seeing, touching, everything else as you're moving your camera around when that lens cap isn't on. And it's just an extra layer of protection. So it doesn't matter what camera you have, what lenses you have, UV filters are a great thing to invest in because overall they help you create better images, you, you don't want to go with the cheapest UV filter. As we've talked about before, especially in the area of lenses, the quality of glass makes a difference. So you don't have to go out there and buy the most expensive UV lens, but you definitely don't want to look for the cheapest one out there either. so there's there's a range of you want to buy something that's high enough quality that's not going to degrade your images. Quality glass matters, but overall, it's one of those things that no matter what type of photography you're doing or where you're at from beginner to professional, a UV lens is an amazing thing to have. The next one is a polarizing filter. And I know a lot of people think about these when they're thinking about your glasses, right? Your glasses will come with polarizing options. I absolutely love my prescription polarized sunglasses because. What does it do? It helps cut out the different reflections. And for me, as a migraine sufferer, that's a must. And on my camera, if shooting water or really anything that could have a reflection, that polarizing filter helps cut that glare. You get a sharper, cleaner image from that polarizing filter. One thing to note is it can reduce the amount of light that's coming into the camera. So you need to kind of compensate for that. And usually these filters, you will be able to turn them. They're a style that's usually attached directly to the front of the lens. And as you're turning that filter, then you will be able to see how the polarizing features of it are lining up to whatever your glare is. So you'll want to line up your shot and then adjust the filter to make sure the glares that you're wanting gone are kind of cleaned up.
1: I got a. I got a question. Is there? Is there a reason to? Is it possible to do stacking these filters? Because you like you said that it'd be good to have a UV filter just in. In general, is there a way to do the polarizing and the UV at the same time?
2: Most filters you can stack. Cool. So if you want to use multiple filters at once, you can. So if if I'm having a polarizing filter on, I typically won't have my UV filter on at the same time. Some of that is. The more glass that you have in front of that lens, the more it's going to potentially soften or degrade your overall image. So there's pros and cons to having multiple lenses stacked up together. Okay, cool. One of my favorite ones is a neutral density filter. And I know Michael, you've asked the question before Think it was you. Can you have too much light? And this is one of the cases Mm -hmm. of yes, you can have too much light. And a neutral density filter, its whole goal is to cut the amount of light that is coming into your camera. So, say you're taking pictures of somebody outside, you're wanting to use a nice wide open aperture, aka you're wanting to let in a lot of light. And why would you want to do that? Well, the wider that that aperture is, that piece that determines how much light is coming into the lens, that also will determine how much of something that's in focus. So usually when you're taking portraits, you want the face, especially the eyes in sharp tack focus, but you want the background to fall off because you want that to just be there as part of the image, but it's not the focus. So, So you have bright light. You have no other means of cutting or changing that light this is a perfect time to put on a neutral density filter. There's the variety of them. Some cut out more light, some cut out less light. So having a variety in this case is nice to have on hand. There's also graduated neutral density filters. Oh, that's a mouthful. And what does that mean? It means that 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 they're successful
1: in their education.
2: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) They have proceeded. No. Yeah. (laughs) It means that part of the lens is dark and part of the lens is clear. So you can set these up to just darken the sky. They come in different varieties. So some will have a soft line, which means it fades from the darkest into the clear. And some will have a hard line where it goes from really dark to clear. If you have buildings or other things in the frame, a soft one is great for that because then it slowly fades and you have no hard line from where the sky ends and the other parts of your image begin. If you have, say, a waterfront, a lake, something like that, where there is a hard divide between your sky and something else, this is a great time to use a hard filter.
0: Now, are okay, these I think, all uh, mostly used for? Are these all mostly used for outside photography only, or would you use them inside for any purpose?
2: Graduated den- uh, graduated neutral density filters would be more of an outside thing. Um, neutral density filters can be used to so say you want to reduce the shutter speed. Your light is bright enough. You're using a flash, and so you're. Your flash goes off and if your shutter speed is moving, it doesn't sync between the two, then you can have some issues as far as not having the image have any light to it at all, aka it's too slow. Or if you're trying to do a motion shot and you're wanting to slow down the shutter speed so that say someone's running or there's a a race car on the track and you want that cool um, blur at the back as it's driving away. This is where you could put a neutral density filter on your camera so that you have a clear spot of the car, the person, where your flash went off. And then as that shutter speed is still open longer, you have the blur of them running or the car moving. Polarizing could be used indoors too because you still get with flash on glass and other things, You'll get glare. It'll still help you there. The color correcting filters really aren't used that much anymore. And mainly we can do a lot of that in post processing. So they've kind of fallen out of style. Macro filters would take place of, say, a macro lens if you're wanting to do close up of things. They work all right. I would say if you're really wanting to invest in macro photography, either get a macro lens. If you're doing macro, you most of the time do not need autofocus because shifting just a little bit either way, things could be out of focus. So a manual lens really isn't a big deal on the macro side of things. And you can get some of those older manual lenses for a pretty good price if you're wanting to get into macro photography. So I really wouldn't dive too much in the macro filters. Then there's some other special effects type lenses, and these can be really cool if you're wanting to play with it. So it can make the bokeh or the blur in the background give it different shape. It can make the light from candles or car lights or stars give it more of that sparkle look. I had no idea
0: this was a thing. I was looking them up and you can get all of them like the Instagram filters, practically like radiation symbols and hearts and all of this stuff.
2: That's crazy. All kinds of things. Yeah. And do it like directly in camera. So if that's something you want to do, there is a plethora of filters to play with as far as color, special effects. There's a ton of stuff out there.
0: Wait, that wasn't to my youtube thumbnails now michael you are going to
1: i am no i'm excited in fact i actually wasn't thinking about this even being remotely possible but now that i know that they are i am super excited i can't wait for your thumbnails
0: yes i'm gonna have hearts on everything on the bokeh which the bokeh is what the the blur
2: yes your your blur in the background that the the shape of the blur and hearts
0: everywhere and chickens because i found a chicken one
2: (laughs) What, some of the ones I've seen that are really cool, especially like around Christmas time, other holidays, so at Christmas, some people will use a star shaped one. So the lights on the tree will end up looking kind of like a star shape. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of really neat things that you can do with these additional filters, and they're fun to play with, absolutely. but they're not anything that you have to have. Then we get into how they attach to the camera. And most of the time, you'll see two different varieties, the screw on ones, and they attach directly to the front of the lens. And for your UV filter, that's definitely what you're going to want. One that attaches directly to the front of the lens, it screws in the little threads. So if you were looking at your lens right now, you can see threads on the inside of that lens, and that's where it would attach. Then there's the ones that are square or rectangle and it really depends on the variety. The square ones, as same as the screw-on ones, can have a bit of a vinaigrette effect, so you can get that darkening around the outside of the edges. The rectangular ones will run you a little bit more. How these ones attach both the square and the rectangle is you have a piece that'll screw onto the front of your lens and then it has an additional attachment that goes on that screwed on piece where you can slide the different filters into. And this is a great way in how you'll typically use a graduated neutral density filter. So you can adjust exactly where it's sitting on the lens to make it fit your scene, your picture, whatever you're setting up. The last kind is a drop in filter and these are directly on the lens. They're typically in the back. It'll have a little spot that you can pull out or insert this filter, usually made by the camera manufacturer themselves. They're not as popular. And why, why would you want an extra compartment for the most part for a filter to drop into when the, the screw-on or the rectangular variety don't have that, I would say compromising aspect of having an additional place for dust or moisture to get into. So now I would like you guys to guess what filter did I use in this picture? All right, shut
0: up, Michael. I got this. So you combined the polarizing filter with the neutral density and you went with a soft graduate or soft neutral density filter, those two together and the special effects of stars.
2: (laughs) What do you think, Michael?
1: I was actually going to say the similar thing. I was going to go with the self-graduated density thing. And I'm going to say you didn't use a polarizing, though.
2: So you were both right in a way. I did use a polarizing filter for this, as you can see. Yes. You can see down inside the water. Gosh, I'm good. So that is key that, yes, I did use a polarizing filter. I also did use a neutral density but I did not use a gradual neutral density. I used a solid neutral density filter. And guess why?
0: It's a solid one. You didn't describe the solid one. You only said they're soft, hard, and graduated.
2: No, I said they're solid. You can have solid one where it blocks. Yeah, she side. said
1: the neutral density itself is a separate one, and this is like a different category. Oh. You did, yeah. and it's like that one's the graduated. See, I didn't learn. Kind. You would
0: do better at taking the test than me in that, but I still guessed <laughs> yeah. better because I had you did polarizing. guess better. <laughs>
1: but yeah. the only reason I changed mine, I was because you had already guessed one, and I wanted to be different. No, so if I, you didn't add in yes. the
0: stars, so
1: whatever. That's true. I didn't add in the stars. <laughs> I I there would there like to change no stars in that image.
2: Yeah, I would like so to change
1: my guess to add in hearts effects because I think that's necessary. good one, Michael. But yeah. Thank
2: you. Why do I ask you to anything? <laughs> <laughs> so I put the neutral density filter on there because I wanted to get that really silky look of the water without that neutral density filter. The shutter speed was just going to be way too fast and I couldn't get that smooth, silky flowing look This ended up being a four-second exposure. Nice.
0: And the special effect shape you used
2: was
1: Was water. (laughs) Water. It was water. Actually,
2: it was on a tripod, and I was a little nervous because my tripod was in the water.
1: Ah,
0: yeah. Turns out cameras aren't waterproof.
2: They're not waterproof, and I really didn't want this one to take a swim, especially because... This is the first day we were up there. I had the rest of the weekend to go and I would have been so upset had my camera taken a dive right after we got there.
1: So what you're saying is that you 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 wouldn't use one of those like, you know, store-bought CVS type waterproof one-time use cameras.
2: You could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could. <laughs> You can use There's whatever. There's no you way that want. you could
2: get this shot with that camera.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. I actually learned a lot in this segment. I didn't know about these yeah. filters at all that there were so many different kinds and that you can combine some of them and the different effects you can have for it. And like I'm going to, of course, do the most unprofessional thing possible and just get the special effects filters because that's way too much fun to pass up.
2: I can't wait to see what you do with them. <laughs>
0: Well, that's it. Our 14th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thanks for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. If you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to DestinationLinux.network to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much there to fill your brains with, including a brand new show, the pseudo show out there, which people are absolutely loving. So go check that out.
2: Absolutely. And remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow.
1: We hope you enjoyed this show and we'll see you next time for another episode where the density is neutral and graduated. But don't worry, each Hardware Addict's episode comes with a heatsink. See you next time. <laughs>